I have this theory and, and this feeling and passion inside of me that people are um, suppressed. And what I mean by that is they're not working towards something that enlightens them and lifts them up on a regular basis. And they're just making that choice because that's what was fed to us for so long. And so for me, it was important to have freedom freedom of my choice, freedom of my time, and freedom to work on something that I believed in fully that was going to leave a lasting impact on my community and my family. And so I, I felt that ever since I, I started working for somebody else. And so I had been reading all these books, making some plans, and whenever I was fired, I knew that that was the right time to actually go execute on everything that I had been reading and planning for. So it was this real big passion inside of me that was, and this fire that was burning inside of me to try to help other other people elevate themselves, but also realize that they can make choices that will, you know, impact their lives for the long haul. They don't have to just listen to what has been fed to us for, for so many years. Welcome to the Wealth Matters podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. I have with me Logan Freeman today. Logan is an ex-NFL player and he has completed multiple joint venture projects, equity partnership and works as a developer. And I'm very, very excited because I have never had a sports person on my podcast. All Welcome, right. Logan. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, you, you can tell I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. So, Logan, tell us something interesting about yourself. Oh, man. I will say this. I grew up in the capital of Missouri. And if you guys don't know what that is, think back way back to geography class. And Missouri is this little state in the middle of the United States that you guys usually just fly over, you know, right. going, to, going to New York or something like that. But the capital of Missouri is Jefferson City, Missouri. My first job was baling hay, picking up hay bales and putting them on the back of a trailer. So there's something interesting oh about Oh, my it. God. So... From baling hay to NFL to a real go. estate magnet now. That's right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that, that, that's a great journey. So did you find real estate while you were in the NFL or was it after? It was after actually. So, you know, when I was, when I was finishing up my master's program, it, after I was cut from the NFL is the moment that I really started to uh, kind of work on personal and professional development. And so I had an hour drive to the job that I was going to uh -huh. and old Zig Ziglar, you know, he mentioned that you need to make your classroom the, or the, your, your car, the classroom on wheels. Right. Yes. So I started watching or listening to podcasts, listening to Audible and, and books. And that's where I was introduced to uh, this concept of real estate investing. And so um, that's where I started to learn about it. You know, I would listen to Matt Terrio way back when, you know, right. and, and uh, John Lee Dumas and Lewis Howes. Oh, yeah, JLD. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, he just connected with me on LinkedIn. So I'm curious if he's going to have me on his podcast. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, let me yeah. know. I will. But I'll get so, you on too. <laughs> yeah, oh, I would love to. So what kind of master's program? It's a business administration. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so a sports person with a brain, with brains, that's amazing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I was an offensive lineman. And so if you follow football at all, if you're a center 
on the offensive line, you have to be pretty cerebral and you have to be able to, right. to know a lot of things. You're kind of an extension of the quarterback. You just, you know, hand the ball off and say, go do something good right. with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how and when did you figure out real estate is the way to go? You know, I think that when I moved to Kansas City, after I was cut from the NFL, I had a decision to make, right? I had a decision to say, okay, um, am I going to rent or am I going to buy? And thankfully, I had read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I had read uh, Gary Keller's The Millionaire's Millionaire, Real Estate yep. Investor. Yep. You know, so I started to understand this stuff. And so I actually bought a house, I, you know, from all that money that I saved up from bailing all of that hay since I was 14 years old. <laughs> I, I bought a house uh, here in Kansas City and I bought a fixer-upper in a good area of town where I was able to get a conventional loan on it. I moved in. I got a, I got a roommate who paid the mortgage, basically. And then wow. I started adding some value through construction on the property. And in two years, I sold that property. And I made more on that, um, the profit off of that property than I was making at my, my W-2 job. And it was tax-free because I had lived in it for- Right, it's years. a primary residence. So if you live in your primary residence for- Two years out of the last five years, you That's can right. when you sell it, uh, you can write off up to two hundred and fifty thousand. If you are a single right. earner, and if you uh, if you are married and filing jointly, you just need to make sure means you can write off up to half a million. So That's that right. that goes a long way. It definitely <laughs> does, and so I think that that was kind of the first real uh, experience that I had to say, wow, you know, there's something here. And so I just continued to educate myself and, and try to learn about real estate after that. Awesome. So, and when, when did you decide that you want to go full time into real estate? So, you know, I worked in Kansas City from 2013 to about 2016 uh, or 17. And I, I had been doing a little bit more real estate investing on the side. Nothing really, you know, you know, not, nothing really at scale, but I did do a couple more projects. And um, my buddy, one of my buddies had been building a real estate investment company here for out-of-state investors. And in 2016, the end of 2016, I was fired from my job. And so when I was fired, that's the day that I said, okay, I'm not going to go work for anybody else. And I'm going to focus on building a company that I can have control of. And my wife was fully behind me. She said, Hey, check your, you know, I called her. I said, sweetie, I just got fired. And she, she said, check your email whenever you get home. I said, okay. So I checked my email and she had already started the LLC and the articles of organization. And of, that is amazing. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> had the support of my wife from, from day one, which is really, really important, I think. And so um, that's the day that we started Live Free Investments and uh, what we're doing today. So that's, that's kind of when I went, you know, full time into the real estate investing world. So, um, you know, I, I see this, you know, it's, it's so common with all the entrepreneurs that getting fired is the best thing that can happen yes. to you, right? It happened to me in 2009 when market was crashing. I worked, wow. for, worked at a big four consulting firm um, yep. doing IT consulting and I was let go. Uh, my wife was expecting, she was due in three months with our first child. Oh my god! I was devastated, but in a month, within a month while I was looking for a job and was, I was just trying to figure out what I should do. I decided sure. that I'm not working for anyone anymore. Yep. So it's, it's been 11 years <laughs> uh, since awesome. I started my own IT consulting firm and now the real estate and, but yeah, that, that was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. I would say the same <laughs> thing for me. I'm a real stubborn guy. And so I knew I needed to make a change, but I had just been married 
You know, yeah. I wanted to try to get a little nest egg kind of. Egg <laughs> yes, up. exactly. I, I think life had a different path for me. And sometimes so was, you need to get kicked. <laughs> that's right. I got kicked to the curb, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, and why why did you decide to jump into real estate only? Right, there are so many other businesses yeah. you could have just done stock trading on side. Yep. Or you could have built something else. Let's say a startup. Why real estate was the way to go? Yes, and I think I was. It was kind of a. It was a, a twofold kind of scenario. One was I had that connection that I had been doing some real estate properties and smaller projects right, on the side okay. for some time. So he was a good mentor for me, and his company had just the year before been the Kansas City's fastest growing company, and we nice. were just kind of hanging out and and connecting. Uh, so that was one reason. So he had a bug in my ear. And then the second reason was that I was watching where Kansas City was going. I was watching people move back downtown. There was cranes everywhere. Houses and neighborhoods were getting fixed up. People were flipping homes. And I'm like, man, it really feels like there's a pipeline of capital coming from out of state into Kansas City. And before that gets too hot, I'd like to get involved in it. So I did right. a little bit of, you know, research on the market itself. And I said, I think it's a perfect time to, to go work with my buddy who already had the real estate company, because Kansas City was positioned to do really well over the next 10 to 15 years. And thankfully, I did. So what was the process when you decided that, yes, uh, I'm already doing real estate part time? Uh, did you uh, go through a formal education or did you just work with the mentor? Uh, what was the process? I, so I got licensed as okay. an agent here in okay. Kansas Realtor. City. So, yeah, okay. Yep. So um, I went on as the head of acquisitions for a $50 million fund okay. here in Kansas City. And in about 10 months, we completed over 100 transactions. And so that was, you know, a really great uh, time for me to learn the ropes of how to find off market deals, how to build an investor list, how to work with folks that don't live in Kansas City, how to negotiate projects and estimate rehabs. And so I got over 400 reps on going to these different properties and um, how, to, how to negotiate, how to make the offers in the right way. So uh, the transition for me was you know, to go from basically a W-2 job. I started a consulting business at this time as well, actually. So I was doing Great sales. Idea. Yeah, I was doing sales consulting, as was I, do, I was doing over 10 transactions a month as well on the real estate side. So very busy. But six months into that, my wife really said, hey, you know, I'm really impressed with what you've been able to accomplish, but you really need to focus. And uh, she's very strategic and, and I love her for that. And so she said, all you do is complain about uh, the consulting and all you do is talk about the real estate. So why don't you pick real estate and go deep instead of trying to be so wide? And I said, you know what? I will. So I dissolved the consulting business, took a couple months and uh, the fund stopped buying real estate. And so I actually uh, took the money that I had made from all those transactions and I started to buy real estate myself. Uh, that's, that's awesome. And did you have enough money to uh, start buying into real estate or how did you figure that out? Yeah. So I did it two ways. I, I did a couple. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer that I can't really you know, I can't transact, sell, or be a part of something that I haven't done myself. I have to really believe in right. something, right? I have to believe in it. And so I went and bought a couple properties myself. And then I moved my license from that boutique single family and small multifamily firm over to a commercial and multifamily brokerage. And so after I bought the properties, moved my license, I jumped into syndicating deals just right off the bat. 
And oh, so wow. I, I start, you know, in less than three months, I had syndicated two properties here in Kansas City. So um, that's kind of how the transition went. So uh, can you describe your journey to entrepreneurship? Because now I could understand that you went from NFL to, you know, sales career to uh, real estate. So what was going through your mind while you were, doing, while you were trying to become an or, or start your own business on the yeah. real estate side? Well, I had been reading books and one of them that's really, really important to me to this day is uh, a guy named MJ DeMarco. He read. Oh, he, yes. <laughs> he wrote a book called The Millionaire's Fast Lane and then also a book called Unscripted. And I have this theory and, and this feeling and passion inside of me that people are um, suppressed. And what I mean by that is they're not working towards something that enlightens them and lifts them up on a regular basis. And they're just making that choice because that's what was fed to us for so long. And so for me, it was important to have freedom freedom of my choice, freedom of my time, and freedom to work on something that I believed in fully that was going to leave a lasting impact on my community and my family. And so I, I felt that ever since I, I started working for somebody else. And so I had been reading all these books, making some plans, and whenever I was fired, I knew that that was the right time to actually go execute on everything that I had been reading and planning for. So it was this real big passion inside of me that was, and this fire that was burning inside of me to try to help other other people elevate themselves, but also realize that they can make choices that will, you know, impact their lives for the long haul. They don't have to just listen to what has been fed to us for, for so many years. So uh, this is, this is amazing. So what I heard was if you get fired, don't be feared. Don't listen to what's been fed and think about freedom. That's right. <laughs> I mean, the- you're already, you're already free. I honestly, I have to tell you, when I was fired, that drive home, that was the lightest I had been in, in a long right. time. I felt like, my gosh, I've got my time. I've got opportunities. Sure, there's a little bit of scarcity, you know, where you're like, where, where am I going to make money from? But I was like, I'm, I'm going to figure that out because I'll work towards it. But man, that feeling, I don't know how to describe it. Maybe you felt it. Maybe you didn't because you were getting ready to have a, uh, your first yeah, child. I, know. I was scared to death. <laughs> yes. So I, but my wife was, you know, at a great job. She was making money. We yeah. were fine financially. So I had this, this freedom, this newfound right. love and zest for life that said, okay, it's time to go do something that you actually enjoy doing. No, this this is awesome, and and when you talk about freedom, I I, I can relate, right? Because and as an entrepreneur, it's not about financial freedom. I I don't think of it that way, but it's flexibility, right? Freedom yes. of doing whatever you want with your time, right? That's right. Because you you have so much flexibility, and as well the freedom to, you know, work on something which you are passionate about. Right? Yes. It's not just that you know you are working on something which you have been asked to, even though you don't like it or you don't care about it right, right. so no yes. I, I i love it this is great so do you talk to other nfl players as well as other sports person or persons about real estate because i see that you know not just nfl lots of these sports people they yep. make a lot of money and by right. the time they're done with the sport they are usually bankrupt or sure. they're struggling Right. Yes. So, of course, you know, they have spent time, millions or, or maybe more on buying mansions and whatnot for themselves, but they never think about real estate as investment. Right. right? So do you talk to the, the sports people? I do. Yeah, we've, we, I have a lot of connections still actually in the NBA, the MLB, 
and in the NFL. And so, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, that, that industry is so uh, what I'll call, there's such a high barrier of entry to get into uh, connecting with those folks because they, the teams that they work or they, you know, they work for, yeah, the teams that they work for, you know, they have these kind of circles that they put them, these players into, right? And so unless you get into some of those circles with the financial advisor, with the CPA, with the wealth planner, whatever it is, it's really difficult to get them to to think about real estate. Now, we've had a few actually reach out to us actively, you know, proactively and say, hey, you know, we would love to kind of, you know, diversify into commercial real estate. We do not have time to necessarily look for properties, but we want it to be big enough and we want it to be cool enough that it would make a lot of sense for us. So we haven't really, you know, necessarily transacted anything with any uh, professional athletes yet, but we've got this pipeline of probably about eight to 12 guys now that we've been kind of talking with. And it almost seems like there might be an interesting vertical to kind of, you know, gear or market towards and create a, a an, you know, kind of like a, a business plan that exactly. just goes towards, towards those professional athletes. So we've, we've been toying with that here at, uh, in, in Kansas City right now. Yeah, it's so much needed, right? Because they give, you know, I would say 10, 15 years of their lives. And after that, they can't do most on any of the physical, like sports activity, right? right? So they got to have some kind of, you know, set up where they could re- just retire into it right that's so right. I-, I believe uh, yeah if you start something like that i'm pretty sure you'll be very successful so yes. how how does the conversation go with the, you know those sports people right how do you start and what 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 kind of discussions do you have <laughs> yeah i mean well we talk a lot about you know since i can relate a little bit being an athlete you know we talk about how the how you know well right now you know hey i'm not sure the season's going to even happen right. you know? so these guys are, I mean, MLB, the MLB, the NFL, I mean, they're all like, you know, I'm not sure we're going to, and they, a lot of these guys get paid, you know, for the games yes, that they play, exactly. you, yeah. you know, and so <laughs> there's a lot of, of uncertainty around that right now as well. So that's been most of our conversations recently is talking through that, but I'm always just taking an education approach, right? Like, Hey, you know, you got a big sign on bonus, you know, go buy your car, go buy your, you know, whatever, that's fine, but make sure you have a portion of it. That's going to actually create wealth on your balance sheet. And a lot of these folks, they just don't understand the, the definition of wealth and income, right? I mean, there's, there's a big disparity because, you know, income is fickle, you know, money can come in and can go out really, really quickly. But if you're buying some sort of asset that's going to be income producing and you don't have to manage it, it's always going to be there. That's just been more of an education kind of, I would say, component. So I'm always sending them resources, podcasts to listen to while they're working out. I'm just saying, hey, just start thinking about this because, you know, you're not going to be able to play athletics your whole life. You know, like that's not you're not going to be able to do that. And so um, I think that there's some people that are more receptive to it. I would say a lot of them put, again, their faith in their financial advisors. And we all know that financial <laughs> advisors do not like real estate guys, right? I mean, that's typically, you know, yeah, because, because because they don't know anything. <laughs> well, and, and, and they don't get paid fees. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. But even if they, you gain or lose, you get, you know, they get paid, right? That's right. So there are a few firms out there that get paid um, in a different way, right? They get paid for their time and not necessarily the their fee based on, on what they're doing. And so those are the guys that we kind of really target, the registered investment advisors, some of these other folks that are 
are more invested in real estate themselves. My financial planner uh, specifically is a real estate investor as well. And so there's folks that are open to it out there. But again, unless you get to that level of where the team is providing these resources for these young guys, you're typically not going to have that conversation. And they're like, oh yeah, well, somebody's, you know, managing that for me. And it's like, well, you know, probably not actually. So uh, it's, it's, you know, each, each case is very specific, but it's, it's more or less just taking, trying to take an uh, education approach and, and make sure that they're making decisions that will help them when they can't play football or they get injured or something along those natures. So, Hey, uh, can you, Tell us about your first deal, uh, the syndication you mentioned, you were able to do a couple of deals. So what was going through your mind when you started syndicating on that deal and what were the numbers, et cetera? (laughs) Yeah. So get this. My first, my first syndication was on a, a bed and breakfast hotel. Oh yes. my God. Okay. So I had, <laughs> I had never raised money before. I had no experience with hotels and I had no track record. So tell, and it was about a million and a, a million and a quarter on the capital raise, you know? Okay. So not, oh, wow. That's, but that's but still was, pretty sizable. Yeah. yeah for your first I mean, deal. For your first deal to go have to raise that much. And then not only that, it's not multifamily. It's yeah, not a and, uh, and no track not, record. Right? No track record. So I really put myself up against the wall a little bit, you know, Um, but what I did have was I partnered up with some really great experienced people and we had just hired um, as a, as, as a chief operating officer, a gentleman who was running uh, a portion of Ritz Carlton's brand. So that really helped us with the credibility piece of the operations of the, of the property, but it's well positioned. It's in a great location and it's beautiful. So that, that helped out too. But you know, the, the property was, um, you know, on the Kansas City Country Club Plaza, which is a really nice area of town. Uh, I think we have, I think we have 15 rooms over there. So we had a big renovation because we were taking the carriage house and the, the garage and actually making a couple more units. So we had oh, okay. some renovation component to it. Um, you know, obviously during COVID, it hasn't been the, the best for for hotel and, and hospitality. Yes. But these are really positioned nicely because you can have small weddings there. Um, you get a, a very service-based approach. You know, it's very high touch. So we have businesses that send their very important people there, their VIP. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of in, an interesting niche inside of the hospitality world. But the things that I learned on that deal was, you know, I, I went through the full private placement memorandum. I went through the full, um, you know, whole process of raising capital that way, um, obviously the right way, but, but man, I grossly underestimated the time that it was going to take to get documents ready to talk with investors (laughs) to, to, you know, to actually raise the capital, to get soft commits actually to commit to the capital. Right. I mean, it took, it took probably three or four more weeks than I originally thought that it would to get that deal done because it was my first time doing it. You know, going back, I'm so grateful that I had some good mentors that were helping me during that process. And I did a lot of the legwork, but I cannot believe that the first deal that I ever did was a a bed and breakfast hotel. And by the way, during our due diligence period of that one, I went and bought another one. So we have two. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy that I put myself in scenarios where, you know, I have to figure it out. I know I have good people around me, but it's just going to take a lot of work. So I, I learned a lot on that deal. That's awesome. So can you, um, have you gone through a full uh, cycle in, in, on a deal? We have. Yeah, we've okay. gone full cycle on, on some smaller deals uh, here in Kansas City. You know, we started only buying 
um, the commercial and multifamily properties about three years ago. So a lot of them are just kind of in the right. stabilization period right now, actually. So we're on the syndication side, a little bit less involved on, on, you know, the, in where the, the cycle is of the properties, you know, we're, we're up to about 550 units now uh, here in Kansas city, and we should be probably close to a thousand by the end of the year. But again, I mean, we've just, we just started in 2017, the end of 2016 to 2017 to kind of this growth trajectory. That, so, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I have not so, heard of the, the, uh, my partners that I have on, on the business have over 5,000 units in seven states and they've taken, you know, 50 different projects full cycle. So they're very, very confident in what they're doing. But this, this new business model with us three new principles, that's kind of a newer venture for us. Got it. So can you talk about your best deal so far? Well, I think that my best deal is yet to come. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so I would say, I would say my best deal was my first deal, which was uh, not a deal that I syndicated. It was a deal that I bought right. um, just with one investor. We did a joint venture. And the reason it was the best deal is because I made it happen. There was a situation, there was some, you know, I had to figure it out. I had to put myself in the pressure to actually get the deal done. I had to put my own dollars where my mouth was. And I learned so much by doing that all by myself. And so the, it, it might not be the best deal from a returns, you know, criteria. And it's a mixed use asset that has retail component, has a bagel shop in the, in the bottom level, and then it has two short-term rentals up top. Uh, so it's Airbnb property as well in a really cool area of Kansas City. But I say that because it was the first deal that I ever did that was not necessarily something I was doing solely myself with my own money. And it was not something that I was just brokering. So it was the best deal because I, it opened my eyes to the possibilities of being able to think bigger. That's awesome. And what was your first deal, worst deal so far? Oh, my worst deal. So my worst deal is, is one that I'm, I actually just sold my interests back to our investors on. And so it was a big failure for me. Uh -oh. Um, and, and so this was an off-market property. It's a 12,000 square foot commercial building in the heart of the crossroads in Kansas City, Missouri, which is a beautiful area, gentrifying. You know, I always follow the artists and the musicians in the city. And that's where all of them were living. And so I, I sat down with this old lady and, and she was obviously on her last leg. I mean, cigarette never came out of her mouth, but she wow. owned this awesome building in this area. And I sat down, I could just see the possibilities of this property. And what I did wrong on this deal was I tried to do it all. And what I mean by that is um, I tried to wear too many hats. I tried to be the real estate agent, the owner, the, the leasing agent, the, the oh general contractor, the, the operations manager, all of it. I tried to do everything myself and I just ran myself rampant. And then at the time too, my business really took off. So all the time that I had beforehand really went, you know, gone. And so uh, at the end of the day, the deal will be fine. Um, but me having to relinquish my ownership in the deal, um, take a loss on the time and the money that I put into that deal, right. it, it really brought me to tears. And uh, my wife had to comfort me a little bit. So I think everybody's probably got those scars, but I'm so glad that I went through that scar personally with my own deal than I did with you know some a bunch of our investors' money. So I learned a lot of, of, of hard lessons on the deals that I've done myself. That, that's a great point, right? So even, you know, very, my very first deal, I lost almost everything I had put in, right? But it's good to, uh, you know, get educated that way on your own dime than, you that's know, right. losing someone else's, uh, you know, hard and sweat. Absolutely. Money, right? So yeah, I, I absolutely. Agree. 
So let's take a quick break, Logan, and we'll be back after the break. Uh, we'll go through the fire round. You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Welcome back to Wealth Matters Podcast. I'm talking to Logan Freeman. He's the ex-NFL agent who has turned into a real estate entrepreneur. Uh, welcome back, Logan. Are you ready for the fire round? I've never been more ready in my life. Let's light this <laughs> thing up. Let's do it. So what is the one advice you would like to give to my listeners? I would say put yourself around people that are smarter than you and more successful than you. Peer groups, the proximity principle is so important. And I remember whenever I was graduating from my master's program, all of my collegiate friends that were still, you know, kind of doing the same thing that they were, we were doing in college, going to the bars, drinking the beers, getting drunk, chasing after girls. And I just, I had this feeling that I just didn't fit in anymore because I had elevated myself mentally and physically right. to the next level. And so I started to put myself around folks that were you know, focused on personal and professional development. They were trying to live a good life and they were making big moves in the marketplace. So change your peer group and you change your life. That's a great advice. And usually I don't interrupt during the fire round, but the one thing, uh, I think I read this in the book as well, that you don't want to be the smartest man in the room. That's right. Right? That's right. That means you are hanging out with the wrong people. <laughs> yes, it does. And right now, uh, you are the smartest man in the room, so you're hanging out with the wrong people, my man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. No. No, I got Logan with me. I'm, I, I'm not worried. <laughs> so the next question, would you be changing any business or investment strategy after coronavirus? You know what? I'll have to tell you, I'll share some numbers with you guys. So we've closed on three transactions in the last 45 days, totaling over $12 million. And we've put uh, five other properties under contract. And so, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, which is going to total close to $49 million in real estate. And so I've taken this time to really, really think about the vulnerabilities that I had in my business beforehand and solving those. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Grant Cardone, not necessarily his real estate, right, but, but his, <laughs> 10X, his 10X mentality book is unbelievable. Yes. And so he says to never waste a good recession. And so I have been taking this time doubling down on marketing, figuring out systems and processes on the back end, solidifying my business relationship with two other principals here in Kansas City, and telling everybody that we're in the marketplace to buy. And that has been a game changer for me. So uh, I don't know if it's changed my investment thesis, but it helped us build a real company behind what we were doing. Favorite real estate or finance or any other related book? I'm going to have to say a book that you maybe have not heard of or, or read about, but if you, if you read or watched the, uh, the recent Michael Jordan uh, miniseries on uh, ESPN, right? Uh, the guy that's training Michael Jordan in there, his name is Tim S. Grover. And Tim, Tim Grover, he wrote a book called Relentless. And Relentless is all about these guys that have this, this uh, next level. There's, there, he calls regular people who are comfortable being comfortable cleaners. Mm -hmm. Closers, they get the deal done, but nothing else. Cleaners, they are the top 1% of the people that get it done 99% of the time. You don't have to tell them what to do, and they're going to deliver the result, and they're not going to know how they did it. Michael Jordan, 
cleaner. Kobe Bryant, cleaner. Dwayne Wade, cleaner. Oh, okay. All of these guys are cleaners. Charles Barkley, cleaner. Lots of CEOs today are cleaners. But I have, I have figured out a way to understand the three different levels and look at the, each areas of my life to say, okay, I'm a, I'm a cooler right here, but I'm a cleaner right there. Do I need to make some changes in my life? So it's called Relentless by Tim S. Grover. Okay, I got to buy that book. I have not heard of it. I have to. <laughs> any, any tool or website you recommend? LinkedIn, baby. I have built more business off of LinkedIn. It is the next platform to just go gangbusters. If it hasn't already, I'm not really right. sure. But if you're not interacting on LinkedIn on a daily basis, then you're not really focused on using digital marketing and social media to your biggest uh, advantage. You know, the average user on LinkedIn makes over $75,000 a, a month. And I think right. 42% of the, the LinkedIn users have a bachelor's degree. So my type of clientele, buyers, sellers, passive investors, they're all on LinkedIn. You just have to go find them and add value to it. So LinkedIn is a website that I couldn't live without. Thank you for that recommendation. How do you give back? Oh man, this is a favorite one of mine. So, you know, everybody looks about how hard charging I am in the business world, but nobody really hears about what I'm doing on the side or, or kind of in the background. And what, what I'm doing is helping to end homelessness here in Kansas City. I'm very passionate about uh, caring for the, for the sick, uh, feeding the hungry, uh, housing the homeless, and, and really focusing on the folks that don't have the same advantages that maybe I or some other people do in the, in the city. And so I sit on the board of directors of a, of a nonprofit organization here called Restart. And Restart's mission is to end homelessness through providing affordable housing, which I can then go buy commercial real estate properties and put the clientele in those properties. They lease it from me, but they also give them the services that they need to stay out off of the streets and in their businesses and providing for their families. So that's the way that I'm giving back here in Kansas City. That's great. How can my listeners reach out to you? Well, I, I mentioned LinkedIn before. I'm very active there. LinkedIn is a wonderful place to find me. Logan Freeman. I post daily, probably three to four times. But my website as well is livefreeinvestments.com. Awesome. I will put that in the show notes. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much, Logan. I had fun chatting with you. I had a blast as well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing.